This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Hey, it's good to be with you again on our 77th episode of the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by the man whose name is on the podcast. <laughs> I Richard can't believe Black- we've done that many. I know. Time has flown by, <laughs> and uh, we're, we're both a couple of uh, hacking lungs today. That's uh, we're right. We're both a little under the weather. We've both been traveling recently, and uh, so just bear with us if you hear some coughing and sniffling. Yeah, you uh, just got back from Europe. and I did, I got did. Got back from Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You were just in, uh, in Toronto. More on that later. Yeah. Um, but something we we haven't done on the show before, but we wanted to do today because this episode will air on Tuesday, and uh, if you follow, not just any Tuesday, not just any Tuesday, but <laughs> but Giving Tuesday. It's the Tuesday after Thanksgiving and uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and and they always make an emphasis for Giving Tuesday to support the organizations that you care about. And we hope that you care about uh, this organization yeah. and this podcast. We haven't uh, done anything like this before, but we, we just want to say if this podcast has helped you become a better leader in any way, uh, would you consider supporting what we do here? We are a nonprofit. Uh, as we uh, mentioned at the top, we're, uh, uh, this is part of Blackaby Ministries International, which is a 501c3. And if, if this is something that has blessed you, has helped you in any way, uh, just consider giving some. Uh, yeah, we and uh, you know we don't talk much about this, but this is a ministry, and we actually uh, couldn't function literally without uh, donations and yeah. uh, support. And uh, as, as we get to the end of the year, we're actually behind on budget this year, and uh, so we actually really need uh, uh, some p- folks if they just feel led to step up and uh, make a donation and. Uh, very much appreciated. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll of course give you a donation receipt. And, uh, but, uh, we've had such a great year as a ministry. We've done so many things, but, uh, even just doing this it requires, uh, you know, a studio, a place to do this and equipment and, uh, yeah. and just, time. It just takes, it takes my time. It takes your time. And so if uh, you would, I'll tell you what, we just, we really, truly, honestly appreciate it. And we, we do things as low budget as we can and still have quality. So we certainly don't waste the money, but, uh, sometimes people don't realize, uh, they think uh, I've had people say, Oh, well, as an experience and God sold millions of, of copies. And unfortunately, uh, my dad didn't earn royalties on the first seven or so million <laughs> of those. And so it's not that the ministry is flush with uh, funds. We actually really rely upon donations. So, uh, if you feel led to do that uh, and you just appreciate the ministry of this podcast and other things that we do, yeah. Then uh, we really appreciate it, and um, and could and actually really could use it this year. Right, and we will leave links where you can give online yeah. uh, in the show notes. So be sure to check that out if if you feel so led. Uh, and also, we've recently published all of our episodes on our YouTube channel. If you just search Blackaby Ministries on YouTube, you can find uh, the YouTube channel, and uh, it's just it's just the audio. We haven't started filming these yet. We may, but uh, we'll just stay tuned. We we'll have to for clean that. ourselves up a yeah, bit more yeah, if we're going to do that. I'll have but... to start shaving, so that's <laughs> <coughs> unlikely to ever happen. Uh, but but uh, those they're also there on YouTube now, uh, so you can share those uh, with your friends, and it's just another way uh, to get the material that we do here. So, with all that out of the way, uh, today we're doing uh, a fan favorite segment of the podcast, which yeah. is a leader profile, and we're doing a profile on a man 
who uh, probably needs no introduction. Uh-huh. And he, he even has a company named after himself. Who are we talking about today, Richard? Well, we're going to look at Henry Ford today. And uh, I've got a biography by Stephen Watts called The People's Tycoon that I'll base it on. Uh, there's lots of uh, biographies on That sounds like an oxymoron, Ford. The People's Tycoon. Yeah, well, it is. And uh, <laughs> in many ways, he, he was something of a paradox of yeah. uh, being perhaps one, certainly one of the most the wealthiest people in America and in the world, and yet being uh, seen and identified with quite often by just uh, the ordinary working person. Mm. Uh, and uh, Ford was uh, grew up on a farm in uh, Michigan, I think around Dearborn, and uh, his uh, he had some difficulty uh, growing up. I mean, his... his uh, I, he had a, I mean, a good life as far as growing up on a farm, but uh, there's a lot of, uh, it was interesting reading this biography because the biographer said that in a lot of ways, Ford built his own mystique. He kind of created the own his own myth about himself. Mm. And so you have to kind of wade through sometimes uh, what Ford said about himself to get to the truth. <laughs> he kind of liked a certain, uh, uh, you know, picture of himself as uh a farm boy with a, a very demanding, uh, aloof father figure. Um, his dad was quite strict and tough, but uh, sometimes it sounds like uh, Ford maybe made him sound harsher than he really mm. was. His mother was uh, doting and loving, but she died uh, in childbirth. Uh, and uh, and so it was a very traumatic experience for Ford. Um, people said, the biographers and people that uh, he interviewed early on said that... Uh, uh, Ford growing up wasn't lazy, but uh, he just never really liked farming. And so he, he always liked uh, uh, machines. And mm. In fact, when he was just a kid, he would tinker with watches and actually was would fix watches. People in the surrounding area would bring their clocks and watches and things, and he just loved tinkering and fixing things. And mm. So he'd go out and he'd work on the farm for a while in the morning, and then the first chance he got, he'd escape and and uh, go exploring and and something you kind of see w- about Ford really his whole life is that he just he didn't he was a free spirit he didn't really like being told what to do uh, and even when he got his first couple of jobs uh, he 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 would uh, master his work he'd figure things out he was very always intrigued by machinery and how things worked so he he'd become good at what he did but um, but then he'd uh, you know he might. Uh, come in late or he might goof off some and he was always a, a practical joker loved to do all kinds of practical jokes on people uh, and so he'd goof around some but then he when you needed him to do the hard things and solve the hard problems he could do that so but uh but he he, he sort of cultivated the sort of the myth of of a tough childhood and had to kind of go out on his own and get a job and um and he, one thing they did say too that his biography that I thought was interesting was he hated horses, he didn't like riding them. Hmm. Of course, had to work with them on a farm. In fact, uh, the biographer said that uh, perhaps one of the reasons he was driven to so much uh, to to make cars was because he hated horses. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it's way. almost interesting when you go back and and you look at kind of the motivators for people. 
the kind of, you know what what drove them to ultimately do what they did no but, pun intended yeah <laughs> yeah I, I make puns even i don't not even trying I know. But, it's, so, it's a disease <laughs> it's just like, well, i call it a spiritual gift oh, but, yeah yeah uh <laughs> lots of things to say about ford uh you know, he began experimenting with uh, cars. He he actually worked for the Edison company early on and became fr- friends with uh, Thomas Edison. Mm. Ended up going on vacations with Edison for years afterward. But, um, you know, he just had a gift for that. And the, 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 the one of the paradoxes about Ford is that, um, you know, there, there are people who are really good at certain things. And then we mistakenly begin to assume that then that makes them experts on all things. Mm. And so if, if you've become fabulously wealthy uh, because you know how to make cars, then, um, then we think that, and Ford began to think later on that he then just was an expert on human living and uh, morals and education and world peace and all, and economy and all kinds of other things. And, uh, that's a mistake I think we still make to this day, you know. Yeah, you see that in a, in in a lot of areas. I think especially with uh, with uh, pop culture icons. Yeah, who, because you play and you're an actor yeah. or you're a rapper. Now you can comment on all, you know all kinds of yeah. social issues and economic and legal issues and yeah. um, and of course that's you know it's like the 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 joke about people that play a doctor uh, on TV and yeah. so they're giving medical advice uh, yeah, yeah. for real. Uh, I, I suppose the thing that, that Ford did ultimately was, you know, when he invented the Model T car, it revolutionized America right. and, and in many, many ways. And he had a falling out early on, a famous story. Uh, his uh, One of his chief backers financially was uh, Alexander Malcolmson and uh, Malcolmson was really pushing to build cars that uh, uh, were higher-end cars, uh, cars for the wealthy yeah. uh, that would have a higher profit margin. And Ford really wanted to make cars that the average person could afford. And back then, when, when Ford was making those cars, the majority of Americans still ride horses and, and horse and, and buggies. Uh, and Ford uh, and cars are, are viewed as... Uh, only for the rich. Yeah, uh, it's interesting, as someone has said. Uh, you know, back in his day, <laughs> wealthy people drove cars. The average person drove uh, rode horses. Mm-hmm. In our day, everybody has a car. Only the wealthy can afford a horse. But <laughs> yeah. things have changed n- uh, now. But uh, but but Ford uh, won out over Malcolmson. Malcolmson ultimately left the company. Interestingly enough sold his uh, shares for $175,000 and started his own car company so he could do it the right way. Within two years, his car company has gone bankrupt. And if he just held on to that $175,000 worth of shares in Ford Motor Company, uh, within 10 years, they would have been worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, One of the worst uh, financial blunders uh, in American history. But uh, Ford decides, I want to make them cheap enough that... Uh, that the average American can can afford one, and and uh, a lot of people say that really Ford introduced really consumerism to Americans before mm. people were just kind of getting by, but when Americans realized no, they could actually purchase luxury goods in a sense, yeah, um, then all of a sudden they began to look at other luxury goods, and of course before the car you didn't need paved roads, you didn't need 
gas stations. Uh, you didn't need a garage uh, built onto your house. Uh, all, all of a sudden, road signs and all kinds of things begin uh, to blossom all over America as uh, the, the average working person realizes, no, I, it's not just the wealthy people that get to have consumer goods, but I can too. Yeah. Uh, and so Ford, of course, uh, he developed the assembly line. And uh, he said, instead of people moving from station to station, I, I want people to remain stationary and have the, the product, the, 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 the car, uh, moving along an assembly line. And uh, through the, a series of uh, ever more modern uh, factories, uh, Ford is credited really with uh, developing the assembly line. And, uh, and, one, and one other thing that he ultimately did was... Um, which seems so crazy to us, but uh, in around 1913 or so, he decides to pay all of his workers $5 a day, which was twice, more than twice, what people typically earned in a day. And so $5 a day at that time, that's $25 a week. Some people weren't even making $25 a month. Mm. Um, all of a sudden, Ford Motor Company was where everybody wanted to work. Right. And, uh, and part of what Ford... Uh, said was I, I I don't want to just hoard all the wealth myself or to my investors. I want uh, my workers uh, to share in the wealth and uh, to be able to. His attitude was, hey, we pay. You know, if we've got sixteen thousand workers at our factory, uh, and they all are getting paid well enough, they'll all be able to buy cars. Uh, it'll help as people have more money to spend. They'll spend it on our product yeah. and uh, and on other products. And of course. It caused a lot of other companies to become very upset because now they got to keep up. If uh, yeah. if Ford can afford to pay five dollars a day, why can't you? And so it helped to raise uh, the overall the wages for yeah. Americans. And uh, in, in as many ways, it uh, it revolutionized uh, America. Yeah. And uh, and of course, it made Ford appear to be. Uh, as we as the title of that book is the people's tycoon because he's he became very wealthy but the average working man uh could identify with him and yeah. uh, even his car was not the balti was not fancy there were other car makers that uh made more fancy cars but the average person could afford one of them and yeah. and they were built rugged enough that you could they'd go anywhere and uh and so Ford became, you know, and there were other people before him, like Rockefeller and J.P. Morgan and Carnegie and others that uh, had made massive fortunes as well. But they were all, they were known as the robber barons of yeah. the Gilded Age. They became very wealthy, but everybody looked upon them suspiciously, like they had done it dishonestly or crassly in some way. Mm. But uh, Ford, it, he did it in such a way that, he raised up all of his employees with him and made them all uh, earn a good living as well. Uh, and uh, and he did a number of things. He he actually had a more enlightened uh, outlook on hiring African Americans and uh, paying them a good wage. Uh, he uh, also he was uh, responsible for bringing a lot of Muslims over from other parts of the world to work in his factories. And and so today. There's a large Muslim uh, population that traces itself back to coming over to uh, immigrants working for the Ford company. 
I, I have a good friend that uh, his father was deaf, and uh, Ford uh, helped sponsor a school for deaf uh, people and hearing impaired people, and and basically said, if you guys will finish school, I'll hire you at the Ford company. And uh, this, my friend's uh, father took uh, Ford seriously and, and did end up becoming a draftsman and uh, wow. got a job at the Ford company. And so in, in many ways, uh, Ford was seen as um, very enlightened. Uh, interestingly, uh, Lenin in uh, Russia and uh, then later Hitler both really admired Ford, which is mm. not necessarily a compliment. No. In fact, Ford, or Hitler actually gave Ford a medal, the highest medal that Germany gave to uh, civilians uh, for his work in uh, mass production, which is something Hitler was interested in. Obviously. Uh, efficiency. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, hmm. in many, many ways, uh, Ford was, uh, he embodied the American spirit. Of course, coming in the early 1900s, uh, really the 20s is when Ford really hit his peak. And uh, at one point, his, his factory was producing about half of all the cars made in America. Mm. And it's interesting because at the turn of the century, there were over 500 companies making vehicles. And, Which is uh, crazy. Like that. Yeah. That's it, a staggering number of car companies. It is. And, you know, like a lot of the ones that eventually merged, like Dodge and Chrysler and Plymouth and, you know, so many Cadillac, all these GM, different companies, yeah. they eventually all were bought out and, and, and you know, merged into bigger companies. But uh, in the early days, they were all separate companies. Uh, yeah. And uh, and yet Ford really managed um, to rise above them all. And uh, brilliantly, in many ways, uh, he had a, just an instinct for that. Uh, one thing he ultimately did was just to uh, gain control of his own company, buy out the, the, the smaller investors so that uh, he could do what he wanted. Mm. And he just he didn't really like people telling him what to do. And, of course, he, he played up on that. And at times he, he got a, a real taste for uh, advertising and publicity, and, and he liked to be seen as the people's... A tycoon that uh, cared about people and he got into a big debate at one point with the Dodge brothers um, the, the Dodges actually owned uh, they helped uh, invest originally in the Ford Motor Company hmm. which is interesting yeah <clears throat> but uh, Ford began to be making uh, millions of dollars of profits every year uh, and he had accumulated at one point over 50 million dollars in assets <laughs> just in in a financial reserve Ford kept trying to build the company bigger and to keep costs down in production. And the Dodges were like, hey, we invested in this company. Yeah, we, want, our dividend. we want dividends. <laughs> we want to get paid. Why are you piling up millions of dollars in the bank instead of paying it to uh, your investors? And Ford ultimately got into a big battle uh, legally over that because there was just two very different viewpoints. Uh, Ford said uh, investors, they don't, they don't really, I mean, they, they put their money up front, which is important, but then after that, they don't do anything. They just, once they've invested their money, they just sit back and take all these profits, but they're not really contributing value. Uh, they don't work at the plant. They don't make any difference, really, except at the outset. And he said, uh, you know, the money should really be going to the workers who are doing the work and so on. And so uh, two very different viewpoints that made him... Uh, uh, for a time, at least, seem very, very enlightened. Mm, yeah. Well, I think this is a good place to take a quick break. 
and we'll see what else Ford had to say and do afterwards. Whether at home, on the job, or in the ministry, we can all have a greater impact on the world around us for the kingdom of God. Join Richard Blackaby at the Billy Graham Training Center at The Cove to learn about increasing your spiritual influence on April 6th through the 8th, 2020. Space is limited, so register soon at the link in the show notes. Well, as you heard there in the break, uh, we've got a a unique uh, opportunity uh, for those listening to attend a conference at the Cove, Billy Graham's Training Center in Asheville. Uh, Richard, could you tell us a little bit? Yeah, if you've never been to the Cove, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. It is. Uh, Billy Graham set it up. Uh, He knew the area. He lived not too far from there. And he just really wanted a a place people could get away and just have a spiritual uh, uh, retreat. Uh, He wanted good Bible teaching, and then he just wanted a beautiful location, beautiful facility, great food. And so uh, it's just, if you fly into Asheville, North Carolina, just it's quite near there mm-hmm. in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Uh, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. there's a beautiful deck, uh, and you look right out on the mountains. Uh, actually, the Vanderbilts, uh, William Vanderbilt, built his famous Biltmore House, basically with the same similar view looking out in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he couldn't find a more beautiful place uh, himself to build his mansion. So, But uh, we're going to be talking about how God increases your influence and... Uh, and and I think that's just something that every Christian needs to be asking. Uh, yeah, this is a time we need to make as much difference as we possibly can. Right. And so, uh, whether it's in your church, I've had people say, "Well, I'm not the pastor; I'm just a lay person." Mm. Uh, I you know I, I see some issues in my church. I, I know there's some things we're not doing like we should, but what what can I do? Uh, and I would say, well, you can have a greater influence for good uh, if God's put something on your heart. I hear people say, well, our church doesn't pray or church doesn't evangelize or church doesn't do this or that. Um, how could God use you to make a difference? And uh, and then certainly how God makes a difference uh, with your life on the the younger generation. Right. Uh, so many of us are concerned about the Gen Z, millennials, uh, and yet how could God use your life to have a greater impact on your own kids and grandkids and then on others? And then on culture as well. We look at culture as quite a hostile uh, aspect right now in American society. Mm. And yet, instead of just seeing it as uh, how do we protect ourselves from culture, we need to be asking how as Christians can we impact culture for good. Mm. And uh, and so my son Daniel, who uh, does all the work on our uh, Collision uh, website here at BMI, uh, is going to be there as well, talking about culture and the younger generation. And I'll also be talking about God's influence he can give you in the marketplace. And so uh, really important topics that I I think uh, all of us can relate to in one way or another. And so if you've never been there, uh, be sure to come. Let us know. Send a message. uh, And uh, we'll have a number of meal times as well at the Cove. They've got an incredible dining room with wonderful food. And uh, we'll typically, if if we've got friends and and people who perhaps listen in, if you let us know, we'll 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 share a meal with you while we're there, yeah. and just plan to you know have you sit at our table and uh, and just get get caught up on your story. So, if you're planning to do that, just go to the website. Uh, you find a link uh, to the Cove. They they usually uh, end up f- uh, filling out uh, all the housing. Yeah, the, they do the have housing there. on campus there, and so you really want to stay there if at all possible. And so it's always good to register early because those seem to always end up getting filled up and yeah. 
you can stay in hotels nearby, but it's it's better for the experience to stay right, right on right, site. Right. Definitely. Okay. Well, uh, before the break, we saw um, sort of the the people's side of Henry Ford and all the great things he was doing. But uh, I suspect there's also a negative side to there his is. leadership. You know, Ford was not uh, well educated. He he knew what he knew, but he didn't always know what he didn't know. Mm. And so, a number of times, uh, he could be uh, led astray by uh, folks. He was not a really great reader, and so he would get impressed with someone uh, with without really critically necessarily analyzing what they were saying. And so. Ford ended up having a number of things he became involved in that were embarrassing, really, to his uh, his legend himself. Uh, during uh, World War One, he actually uh, rented a, a a ship, and he was he called it the Peace Ship, and he was going to just get a bunch of influential Americans and sail over to Europe and have a heart to heart with the Kaiser and, and, and bring an end to world war one, you know, and he, yeah. he, at that point had had enough success that he, it sort of went to his head. He just thought, Hey, I'm a businessman. We I'm, can, I'm Henry Ford. They'll listen. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll get, and that ended in a fiasco as you could imagine. Uh, he, um, he, he, he bought a, a paper at one point to try to espouse a lot of his wisdom on things. And, uh, he, he revered the past and, uh, and so he, he was always trying to offer uh, teaching counsel, whether it was on learning the old uh, dance moves of his youth or, <laughs> or the old uh, McGuffey readers that he grew up reading. Um, he, was, he, he got in for a time there. He brought in some people that ended up lead, leading him uh, into some really strong anti-Semitism uh, mm. that uh, was an ugly side to Ford. Uh, he got into beliefs about things like reincarnation for a while. Uh, just a number of things that he could be led astray in, uh, where he just he didn't really think through very well. And in a real famous uh, incident, actually, in about 1919, the Chicago Tribune paper actually called him just this. They, they kind of called him out, said, "This guy's just an ignorant, naive, uh, wealthy guy, just because he's got lots of money. He, but he he doesn't really know that much." And yeah. so. Ford ultimately sued the paper for a million dollars for libel. And because of that, he ended up having to go to court and be interviewed. And for about eight days, Ford got on the stand. And basically, the the opposing lawyer is trying to prove that he's ignorant. And, uh, yeah. and so he asked him things like, well, wh- what was what was America before it, it, it became a country, which they're thinking like colonies, uh, he said, "Well, it was land before it became a country," <laughs> and uh, they said, "Well, when did it? When was it fashioned?" And he he thought it was uh, formed in 1812. And I mean, he just—it was just very clear that he just didn't know very much. I mean, even yeah. just basic things about—and yet he's moralizing and trying to teach Americans how they should think and what they should do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and basically, they just made him look pretty pretty foolish. And uh, he. Um, at a certain point, they they just said, "Well, can we just give you a book and have you read? It? Can can you even read?" And he just said, "Well, uh, no." He, he, they said, "If you don't read the book, then for us here in court, we'll have to assume that you don't know how to read." He said, "Well, that's fine. You can assume that." He said, "I'm not a very fast reader, and and so on, and uh, and and so in court, he he now they ultimately they 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 declared that he had won the case." 
but they only gave him six cents uh, compensation, not a million dollars. Yeah. And uh, but the interesting thing was that the the it only made him more popular. It just made him mm-hmm. look like these these wealthy, high up uh, papers and yeah, the and elite were coming. The elite after were coming down on this ordinary working man. <laughs> this and poor the, humble. And so even though he's Ford. a multimillionaire, he comes out as oh, people identified with him. Yeah. But he did a couple other things uh, just to maybe summarize that were unfortunate. He One is he had a, a pretty well-known affair with uh, a, a woman about 30 years younger than him. Mm. Uh, is one of those where his own wife uh, sort of tolerated it. Uh, and uh, in fact, he ultimately had the woman, his mistress, marry uh, his a security man and bought the man uh, a, a mansion right down the street from his own mansion so he could have access to his mistress nearby. Wow. And ultimately, even when uh, he died, uh, the mistress and the and the wife were both there at his side as he died. Uh, hmm. Sort of some, you know, here's a guy moralizing to other people about how to yeah. live and yet had a <laughs> long time uh, mistress and... And then probably the, the saddest thing as well was just that he uh, he he didn't know what to do with his son, Edsel. And uh, he always, Edsel was uh, much more sophisticated, much more educated, much more genteel, really a gentleman, which Ford was a lot more of a rough and tough mm-hmm. kind of guy. And Ford just didn't know what to do with a, a gentleman's son. And he always thought Edsel just wasn't tough enough. And so he kept trying to toughen him up and... Uh, and he just did some things that would humiliate his son. Uh, at one point, Edsel was going to build a new building uh, at the Ford plant and uh, had already had the ground excavated, dug the hole for the foundation, and then Henry Ford just canceled it, just said, no, we don't need that. And then he wouldn't even let them fill in the hole that they had dug. They said, let's just leave the hole there for a while. And so every day, uh, Edsel would come to work and see this hole just as a reminder that his dad just nixed his initiative, his plan. And it was like... Henry, in a misguided way, thought, well, I'll just sort of push my son until he fights back and he shows a backbone. But instead, it just broke his son's heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately, his son died of uh, stomach cancer at age 49. And uh, and a lot of it related just as well to stress yeah. and uh, stomach problems from just the strain of working with his father all the time. And uh, his his is one of the greatest tragedies in Ford's life, uh, how he treated his son. And and Ford became susceptible to people that would uh, bring out the worst instincts in him. Uh, Harry Bennett became a, a tough guy. He was a security guard, basically, that would knew how to stoke uh, Ford's ego. Yeah. And so uh, eventually there was some uh, labor unrest at his... Uh, Ford plant and Harry Bennett just led a very brutal crackdown on the protesters, the strikers, in which several people were killed. And uh, this idea of this enlightened, labor-friendly Henry Ford was tarnished severely. And for several years, Bennett was just a thug that basically just took uh, the aging Henry Ford around and just kind of led him to make some really poor decisions. And probably the last thing about Ford is that he just stayed around too long. He he lived to be 84 mm-hmm. years old and uh, was, um, he should have just let go a lot longer. Yeah. In fact, he had a hard time letting go of the, the, um, the, the Model T car after it was already archaic and way out of date and losing terribly to the competition. 
Ford just had a hard time letting go of his greatest success, and people just um, kept pushing him and pushing him to say, "You got, we've got to come up with something new. We got to be more customer friendly." Uh, Ford, so, so much success had gone to his head that he just yeah. kind of assumed he knew best, and uh, and that cost the company uh, where they were overtaken yeah. by General Motors and so on, and and uh, and so sadly, the the latter part of his life. Uh, was spent oftentimes uh, in great disarray, declining sales and morale at the company, losing all kinds of market share to competitors that were much more uh, up-to-date and uh, customer-friendly and sensitive. And so uh, ultimately his grandson, Henry Ford II, would come in and fire Bennett and take over the company but uh, only after it had lost significant ground. And so, mm-hmm. you, you know, like, as you see so many of these people, they all have a real positive side, a real strong side to, uh, that makes them successful. But oftentimes the very thing that they're good at is also their Achilles heel. Yeah. And it's hard when you are successful, especially early on, yeah. uh, then to walk away or to, to set that aside and say, now what do we have to do next to continue yeah. being successful? Yeah. And so he's seen as perhaps one of the greatest business leaders in American history, certainly in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. But um, at the same time, there's lots and lots of flaws as well. And uh, sadly, a guy that was a, in many ways, maybe an ordinary person that was suddenly thrust into the world limelight and uh, sometimes that's that's we, we lose sight of what makes us successful, and mm. and so Ford also just had the uh, a lot of negative things as well that uh, kind of tarnished uh, legacy. It's, so it's a very mixed legacy. Mm. Still very famous uh, person in many ways, contributing things, but uh, also feet of clay in many ways as well. Yeah, well, there's a lot to learn from from his uh, from his legacy, from his life, and it's always fascinating to do these uh, leadership profiles and as always we'll leave a link to the, the biography mm-hmm. that you're drawing from for this uh, link in the show notes for that and uh, I think we'll leave it there great thanks for listening to the podcast if this is something you enjoyed it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends we always love hearing from our listeners so email us at podcast at blackv.org.